I was in my seat. Everybody knew what was going down. Somebody wanted to be a rock, but I thought it wasn't a rock. He wanted to be a rock lobster. <laughs> the lobster. <laughs> the lobster. Rick <laughs> lobster. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Today on this podcast is for Nerds Media Club. We are discussing the lobster. Oh my god, I think that is the best intro in this show's <laughs> history. I'm so happy about that. <laughs> I was driving home and I thought to myself, the lobster, like it's still it's still just such a wild it was a wild ride. And honestly, I don't understand a lot, but I have a lot of things awesome things to say about it and a lot of like questions and I'm really stoked to like get into this one. Yeah, this is going to be a good conversation. Um, so welcome, everyone, to uh, this podcast is for nerds. Um, every two weeks, we do a media club where one of us recommends something. Um, so two weeks ago, I recommended we watch the uh, Yorgos Lanthimos, uh, I don't know, the absurdist dark comedy, um, The Lobster. Um, and it stars uh, Colin Farrell, uh, Rachel Weisz, and Olivia Coleman. Um, so yeah, um, before we get into it... Um, what did you think of it, Zach? <laughs> what did I think of it? Okay. First of all, I personally thought that I, if there's any, for any reason, at any given point in time, there are any directors out there who just want to cast someone who can look bored through the entire movie and just not make any facial expressions, I'm your boy. Because Colin Farrell is back, or was back, because this came out in 2015, and I, I think the part of it that was like it's written like you said as an absurdist comedy and if you're not paying attention you can get like distracted from the fact that it's supposed to be funny because there's a lot of funny moments in here just based on like how it's just wild is the best way I'm going to put that <laughs> yeah and this is definitely the director's style and uh, he he's worked with Colin Farrell a few times and he's definitely reignited my love for him my favorite person, um, actually, who's in this, and I didn't know she was in it until I watched the movie. I'm probably going to like butcher her name. Is Leah Sado? Oh yeah, she's amazing. Jesus, like I just her as a human, I fell in love with her. Honest, honestly, Death Stranding. Oh yeah, for sure. I was going to say that's kind of her big thing right now. She was just in the uh, the Death Stranding video game. Yeah, and I honestly, my my second choice for starting off this podcast was to say, to let you all know, we're going to watch, we have watched The Lobster, and our hearts are fragile, but not that fragile. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That was, that was well done. That was well done. Yeah, um, I, I actually really enjoyed this. Um, there were multiple moments where I just kind of stopped. I watched it with my wife and we were just like what the hell is going on oh i'm so glad you watched it with her and we were both like wait a minute it's only been an hour and that's the setup that was the setup for the whole actual movie yeah like oh this scene oh my gosh okay 
Yeah, so so we've got if you watch the so video high school version. Right yeah, here. me too. <laughs> if you watch the video version of the podcast, we've got some clips from the movie going. Um yeah, I'm gonna give a really quick description of the movie without spoiling um what the focus of the movie is, and then we'll we'll get into spoilers. Um so the lobster, um, it's the third film. That was directed, written, and produced by uh, the Greek filmmaker Yorgos Lanthimos. Um, it's an absurdist dark comedy. It stars uh, Colin Farrell as David, a man visiting a hotel centered on finding lovers after his wife cheats on him. Um, if the residents of this hotel do not find a partner within a certain amount of time, they're turned into the animal of their choice. Um, and the film has cast support from Rachel Weiss. I mentioned earlier, Olivia Coleman, um, John C. Riley, who's wonderful in this, uh, Leia Sadu, and then, uh, Ben Wishaw from, uh, most people probably know him from like the Paddington movies and, uh, the 007 movies. Um, so if you had to rate this out of five, Zach, what would you give it? Um, <laughs> I'm going to give it a 4.7 out of 5 and the point three I'm knocking off really just comes down to the ambiguity at the end mm. interesting yeah we'll, we'll definitely get into the ending and, and kind of theories on, on what happens at the end because yeah. um, it's not entirely explicit but there are earth uh, theories that you can pull from it I had a couple like theories I was I didn't read on anything but I was kind of thinking about it and just like how the narration is set up and the point to when the narration stops I think that's when it also kind of made me go okay when does that particular part take over and when are we caught up to speed versus what we're being told in the story so that's why I was like okay interesting like this is yeah, we, yeah, I have a lot of questions. <laughs> <laughs> would Would you recommend this movie to anybody? I recommend it to, like, for this scene in particular. I would recommend <laughs> this to everybody. Yeah, but I would recommend it to people. It's definitely borders on like. You know, the part that actually tripped me out was the fact that I thought that the hotel and the loners were all just one section of society, but in reality, this whole society operates on. A system where you can't be in certain places if you are not with someone yeah and i thought that was insane like the way this movie balances out like the seemingly serene and scenic and like almost innocent like even with the color palette and the schemes in the background versus like the sinister undertones really get a strong vibes of like parasite here like Oh, even interesting. How, like, yeah. the mo- even how like the music is calm and it's usually it's with string instruments and they start off with a very serene and balanced theme but then they start to get a little more distorted and cross over and have off-tempo sounds as they start moving around to kind of accentuate when things are getting stressful or tenuous but the color palette stays pretty much the same those are two conflicting like psychological aspects to like filming in color and shots and stuff like that yeah definitely there's a there's certainly a deeper meaning to the uh the plot um an asshole Oh, this this scene is great. We definitely have to get oh, into this scene because there's <laughs> there's a reason he does this, um, which we'll get into. Um, so yeah, I give this movie a five out of five. Um, Yorgos Lanthimos is probably my favorite, one of my favorite directors right now. He is just like absolutely killing everything he does. There's a lot of um, slap in this movie, actually. Yeah, there is. Um, 
Yeah, I so the first movie I saw of his was uh, Killing of a Sacred Deer, another Colin Farrell uh, movie. Yeah, I didn't um, know that existed. I saw that like on, when, we, when we looked this up, I saw that and I was like, oh. I highly recommend okay. it. I highly, highly recommend it. So that was my first introduction to him. We were actually at one of the premieres for the movie. Um, and so I started looking up all of his other work and he does some great stuff. He, uh, he did 2018's the favorite, which got a bunch of, uh, Oscar nominations. And even this movie, um, had a lot of attention. So, um, this movie came out in 2015. Um, it was nominated for best original screenplay at the Academy Awards and lost to, uh, Manchester by the sea. I don't know if you've seen that Zach. I haven't. Uh, that's a, that's a pretty good one. Um, I, in retrospect, I think it's a little overrated. Um, you know, it's you know, weird to me that this one, like this one, to me, had a lot of. It reminds me because when, especially when I found out, like you know the the country of origin of this movie, like it reminded me of a lot of like the dry wit you see in European comedies. Especially yeah, oh, definitely. Comedies. So like, that's yeah. where I thought that's where like, people because someone doesn't know that could probably be like oh you can't laugh at that that's not funny i'm like no it's the subtle things like an eyebrow movement or literally the lack of reaction to things that makes this hilarious yeah yeah they they definitely crank the absurdism to 11 in in his work um but it also won a british independent film award uh for olivia coleman's performance um it had three Cannes film festival wins nice. and uh colin farrell got a golden globe nom uh for his performance um so we're gonna go full into spoilers so if you've not seen the movie uh pause this podcast go check it out it's on netflix um, and then come back and chat with us about the lobster. All right, let's get into it, Zach. Um, <laughs> do you want to go over plot or do you want to ask ask questions you have about the movie? How do you want to do it? I'm going to start with what I talked about a little bit earlier, talking about the aesthetic themes and choices here. All of this is a lot of blue and accented blue. Like even in this room, blue and gold and the color wheel party together all the time. So even like the darker scenes like this, I didn't recognize or realize at first. And it's all still very calming. None of it's jarring. Even the scene where um, <laughs> the heartless woman, and a lot of people in this movie don't have names, by the way. Um, when she kills this dog, it's still a darker red um, with blue tones. Like even this, this is all warm and inviting and really kind of helps mask like the sinister nature of like what's actually happening in this world and in this existence. I think it's a great use of storytelling because it's a stark contrast to like what's actually happening. Oh, definitely. Like, <laughs> like there's two yeah. different themes at once. It's supposed to be a comedy, but then you have scenes like this. Yeah. And then you, oh, sorry, for those who are watching, uh, uh, go watch it. Now, we're episode 17 here. Go watch it. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's it's just so many things at once that, like, if you're not, I think for this one, I had to have such an open mind, not because, like, I had a closed mind to it, but in order to catch everything, but I still think I missed a bunch, you have to, like, sit back and just let it wash over you like you're at the beach. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, there and you know there's it's it's certainly more colorful than you would expect for a dystopian um 
film because that's i mean at the end of the day this is kind of a dystopian uh movie um there there, it's still pretty desaturated in certain shots like like this one for example um some of the wood shots like the there's a scene there's i mean there's quite a few scenes with rachel vice and and colin farrell that are that are pretty desaturated Mm. um and i think that fits into the the kind of droning uh almost like a boring aspect of this movie without it actually being boring like it's supposed to kind of lull you into into this like sense of boredom because the the so the i mean the the main premise of this this movie what they're talking about is like uh society has these standards like you're supposed to be married and you're supposed to be compatible in every single way and if you don't you make big changes so that this person that you claim to love will want to stay with you and if it doesn't work out you guys are gonna you know have kids because kids solve that issue um, <laughs> that, <laughs> we laughed so hard oh me too the director said that part <laughs> yeah that was that was great uh, but that i mean that's kind of the premise of the movie and and you know if, if you decide to be single you're you're an animal um, because life well, is, a, animal, is, right? is a, <laughs> life is about companionship, and that's that's kind of what this movie is about. Um, so yeah, maybe maybe we go over the the plot in general, and then we can kind of dive into some of our favorite scenes. Um, um okay. Uh, <laughs> did you have other plans? No, I was just thinking, like recapping the plot. There's a lot of plot. Like, I'm curious to see how you would recap this, actually, because I feel like I couldn't contain it without just telling all of the movie because there's so much to this movie. <laughs> there, there's a ton, yeah. Um, well, I'll, I'll go, I'll go kind of quick and and over general stuff, and if there's a scene of importance that you want to dive into, we'll do that. Um, so. So David um, is the movie starts with this woman um, driving down the road. Uh, She sees two donkeys on the side of the highway and she pulls over and shoots them. Um, And then it cuts to uh, our main character, Colin Farrell, who's uh, David. He's like one of two actually named characters in the credits. Um, And so it's, it starts with his wife basically telling him that she's found another man. Um, and he asks her, um, if he's short sighted, like he is. Um, and that seems kind of like innocuous, but, um, you know, you learn more as, as you go on that, that it's, there's a reason he asked that question. Um, so he ends up at this hotel, um, and checks in and, uh, they ask him, you know, for his information and we learn pretty quickly, um, you know, they don't, they don't really hide what, what happens at this hotel. You, you learn pretty immediately. You have 45 days to find a partner, um, or you're turned into an animal. Um, so that I remember the first time watching that being, I mean, I, I didn't know anything going into the movie. I'm assuming you had the same experience. Yeah, I can say that I only knew what I knew from the trailer, and it definitely looked interesting, just the concept. I really didn't understand, like, 
what it meant or what the movie would actually be. Yeah, because it's it goes oh, much that deeper. Look, that than look the she has. Oh, just she could just uh, melt me like butter. With that <laughs> cold, motionless expression. <laughs> Is she on your uh, hall pass? No, dude, that's gross. <laughs> I have a loving respect for how devious fragile is. <laughs> the antihero of Death Stranding. I have this not, is not a plug for Death Stranding, but go play Death Stranding. Yeah, you should. I have not actually played it, and I don't know much about it other than the monster energy drinks. Um, <laughs> so so uh, they ask him pretty quickly, or they tell him pretty quickly, you have 45 days, or you're going to get turned into an animal. What animal do you want to be? And uh, he says a lobster. Um, so that's where we get the name of the movie. Um, also note that his brother was also at the hotel and he didn't make it and he was the he came with his brother who was a, turned into a collie yes um, so he's got a dog with him the whole time and you learn pretty quickly that that is his brother that is with him um so he did not find a lover and was turned into a dog that's something i just realized too when he asked his wife if the man she was seeing was nearsighted that didn't click to me until right now is that this whole society is based on like you said finding those small matches and like building a relationship off of it like that means that he was well aware of this hotel and this is a very common thing that happens in their society and that's oh yeah pretty yeah, wild absolutely. i just never thought about that yeah it's super crazy um and one of this is kind of one of the first scenes that's that struck out to me when he's checking in um they ask him if he is heterosexual or homosexual <laughs> um and he mentions that um he was married to a woman um but that he had a homosexual encounter in college and he asks if there's a buy option um and the woman says kind of just like passes it off as no it's not possible there were it didn't work out in testing um so he has to pick so he picks heterosexual um and i think that further that was, comment, that was interesting to me like especially considering you know my friends who are by how much i would say flack they get in a general stance i was like wow it's in a movie that like you can't choose like i don't know that whole thing like kind of they rubbed me the wrong way but it, it was like whoa that's different i mean it's intentional because in in the 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 premise of the film it's it's putting kind of a mirror to society um it's it's not speaking ill of bi people but it's saying you know society views these people as as not valid um that oh they're yeah not, that's yeah i didn't think they, he meant they were speaking ill it was just more so like seeing it that blatant it was like you said a mirror society and it was it was good to have that like contrast of like yeah there's no representation that needs to happen that's yeah. more of what i meant like to see it like that was actually like whoa yeah it's wow. pretty crazy um this chick yeah <laughs> that's a great knowing, willingly knowing that they were humans at one point yeah so that's that's kind of what we learn as the film goes on olivia coleman is the director oh um she shot one of them yeah yeah because they were lovers yep yeah um <laughs> which there's there's a whole you know there's a whole discussion there about what happened there between the three of them um but we learned from olivia coleman who's the director of this um that all animals in society are basically people that did not find mates um and tells him that was you know it was a good decision to pick a lobster 
Um, his reasoning being they live like a hundred years um, and they're very, <laughs> they're fertile for their entire lives. Um, he loves the water. Um, so, <laughs> so she mentions dogs and how everyone picks dogs. And that's why we have so many dogs, um, <laughs> which, which is funny. Um, so a, a big chunk of this movie is, is him trying to find a partner um, and the two male friends that he makes while he's there, um, which I'm, I'm blanking on their names, but it's John C. Riley's and Ben Wishaw's character. Um, and, and it's, it's all kind of them trying to find their partner and kind of the awkwardness of dating. And then it's juxtaposed with these, these scenes. There's a scene where, um, Colin Farrell looks out his window and sees a bunch of bodies laying out in the driveway. (laughs) And you learn that, uh, there are days where they all go out and hunt, uh, what, what they call loners, um, which are people that are out living in the, uh, in the wilderness. Um, and if they bring them in, they get days added on to their time at the hotel. So there's, there's this woman that Colin Farrell's got his eyes on early on. Um, we learn that she's got like a hundred plus days banked up, um, at this <laughs> hotel. And, um, and so they start dating and his behavior radically changes to match hers because he's so desperate to find somebody obviously um so yeah, she's very he was on like day two at the end he was towards the end of his and hadn't caught anybody or like yeah it moves along pretty quick so within you know the first 15 minutes i think we go through the majority of his days at the hotel um and so his yeah, behavior right radically changes. He's very, he's very cold. There's a scene where Ben Wishaw's character has found a partner and we learn that the partner he's with has, has bad nosebleeds. So he, he starts to fake having nosebleeds so that they will be a good match. Um, so he's the first one of the, of the three to get uh, a partner and uh, pretty early on you see him with a kid. And that's after we've learned that when, uh, couples are going through hard times. They add a add a child to the mix, um, but Colin Farrell just straight up like kicks the kid <laughs> um, when when he's introduced, um, which which feel, it's very absurdist and and kind of surreal because you would never expect that to happen. Um, but there's a reasoning for it. He's he's trying to be cold like like this woman um, that he's dating, and. Uh, one morning he wakes up to find that she killed his brother and he goes to the bathroom and uh, he's trying to hide his emotions because she will report him to the hotel that he is not who he's, he's portraying. I will say that like the, the sequence leading up to her finding that out about him was actually quite brilliant because I know, but when he was golfing, so there's single activities and there's couples only activities and you can't like do either unless you're a couple or you're single. And when Colin Farrell, I think was on his last, his end of days or wow, not end of days, but towards the end of his time at the hotel, he decided that it was easier to fake emotions than it is to try and produce them that he didn't have because before he was unsuccessful in trying to connect with other people who like didn't feel how he was feeling. And he just thought it was easier to like, hide how he felt because he got people who coming after him and he tried talking to people also it just didn't really work out and i think the scenes like um 
in the beginning when they're having sex, it's just like very cold and like heartless between the two of them. But after a while, he starts to get into it, and the person who's with is like, wait a minute, what the hell is this? And so he like wakes up to her having killed his dog because she's trying to test his emotions, like you said. But I think how they like she started putting that together was kind of a crazy sequence of things where she you could see her getting gradually more pissed off. Cause I don't think thought she was gonna kill him first. I didn't think she was gonna try to break up with him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would not put it past her because their their first interaction where she like fakes choking in the hot tub and he just sits there and watches <laughs> her do it. I was like, wow, this is I was uh, like, that's uh he, she seems intense. Yeah, he knew. <laughs> yeah, she fakes yeah. choking on an olive and then she goes, I think we're a match. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I agree. Like, what is happening? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so so he uh he is he uh She's, she takes him she tries to take him down to the hotel manager um and there is a maid at the hotel that's kind of sympathetic to the whole um this whole idea that this this whole thing is not is not right this is not the way to do things so they uh they sedate her and she allows him to escape um and he ends up in the woods where they do all their hunting um and he joins up with a group of singles um and that's where we meet rachel vice's character um and we do not get a name for her um but the the rule is that they're not allowed to have any relationships in the woods um that they're just trying to survive and, and there's to be no relationships um so this group is is led by uh leah sadu um, who is absolutely wonderful in this role. She's, she's fantastic. Um, but they start getting these kind of contracts where they're going into the city um, and they're trying to kind of take down the hotel um, as a whole. Um, and as this goes on, Colin Farrell develops a relationship with um, Rachel Weiss's character because they're both nearsighted. Um so, so uh, Rich or uh, Leah Sadu's character. Um, one day they're in the city, and um, Leah Sadu says, "Hey, I've I've got this doctor's appointment for you. Um, we're going to get your nearsightedness fixed." And she actually has the doctor blind her, um, which that scene was was absolutely crazy when you find that out. Oh, I know that was super fucked. Yeah, it was absolutely insane. Um, so, and the reason the reason she does this is she finds out that David and her have been having a secret relationship, right? And that's like strictly forbidden. Um, so it's, in a way, it's a stark contrast to the hotel where the goal was to give people made it up, paired off. The loner is our, you know, they want to break up that society, but they also won't allow fraternization. So it's a very like damned if you do damned if you don't type situation honestly yeah right and it there's an interview actually with rachel vice she's talking about the movie and um she says kind of you know the, the the idea of the movie is you you fight against this one viewpoint and you end up kind of creating your own cult um which is which is kind of what happens here is he's he's so anti 
what this society has kind of built that he's created kind of a polar opposite extremist viewpoint that look look she gets that that's when i knew that they were fucked oh that one yeah yeah oh they were fucked oh man (laughs) i'm sorry i'm sorry audience but when she looks over in between them and she's like you can see her reading their movements and their emotions oh they are so oh that oh that look oh yeah so the assumption is that leah sadu's character is is bisexual and has feelings for both of them um kind of the glances that she gives them she gives them these kind of like side glances i think a lot of people assume that she blinded um rachel vice's character because she had feelings for david um but a, a, a lot of people see it as as her being bisexual, and that's kind of why she's the leader of the loners because she doesn't really belong um, in society. That's that literally way. not anywhere near where I took that. Oh, like, really? Why did all. you think she uh, she did it? Just because they didn't because want she's fraternizing. a fraternizing has rules. Okay, yeah, that's that's totally fair, and 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 I think that is that is a valid valid theory. Like she straight up said, don't do it. Yeah. And they they're it. doing it. <laughs> yeah. So she's like, cool. Well, I'm not only that, but like, it also seems that she, because she's a loner and very proud of that, the inability to like want to lose any of her flock to want to return to that life after feeling that she raised and protected them with her ideologies. Sounds like she felt betrayed. So she decided to do what she knows how to do, make people depend on her and destroy the reliance on each other. Because even though she didn't want people, like, fucking, she still desired it, you know? Oh, sure. Yeah. That's so in a way, it's like, if I can't be happy, why should you? I run this. You're all my children. You're going to die when you die, but also when I say you die. You know, she's a hotel manager with red hair. Yeah, essentially, yeah. Yeah, of the of the opposite viewpoint. Yeah, I never once thought of, like, it being about her sexuality. That's crazy. Yeah, that's just another theory. I think I think your your theory is is just as valid, and and I oh, I, I, okay. I, I 100 agree with you. Um, okay, these I are just theories. Like, okay, I thought it was like I was like, whoa, that's I did, I missed that. <laughs> <laughs> no, entirely, it's, it's very subtle. She, she gives she gives some like loving glances to both of them. It's in certain scenes, so gotcha. some people assume that. Um, I didn't see any of those glances. <laughs> <laughs> So anyways, they, uh, <laughs> and there, there's a funny scene that I, f- I forgot to mention. I wanted to mention it's, it's early on when, when David joins the loners, um, his buddy, John C. Riley, um, the lisping man, uh, finds him in his hunt and, uh, and they, they start talking and, uh, he, uh, he asks, he asks him if he mentions that. David mentions that the lisping man is his best friend and uh, he, he goes, well, what, what about, uh, what about the limping man, John, who's uh, Ben Wishaw's character? I, th- I thought you guys were best friends. You spent so much time together and he just kind of goes, who? And he, he just like acts like he doesn't even know. He's like, oh, I've, I've completely forgotten who he was. No, we're best friends. And then he, he kind of thinks he's convinced him to let him go. And then, and then John, or uh or robert says yeah i'm I'm gonna have to shoot you i have to i'm i have one day left and uh and david just completely flips 
uh, and says, you yeah. really think one more day is going to do anything for you? You're so ugly. Like, that, was, that whole thing, like, the delivery is so dry that, like, you have to actually pay attention to the words. Like, wow, this dude just went complete 180. <laughs> yeah, well, and that it further kind of asserts, like, if you're ugly, you're never going to find a lover and you're you're going to be kind of like banished by society because like appearances are so important so it, it just furthers kind of what this the, the message of this film is um but kind of back to the story so so rachel vice admits <laughs> there's a great scene where rachel vice is sitting by the tree and she hasn't told david that she's blind yet oh, and yeah. he comes by and he says i brought you a gift and he puts the gift in her hand and and she had mentioned in the past how much she loves rabbits so since she's blind she doesn't know what it is and she just assumes it's a rabbit and she says it looks delicious and uh he's like no it's it's a flashlight i got you a flashlight you mentioned that you didn't didn't want a flashlight she's like all right i've been lying to you i'm blind (laughs) i just thought that scene was so funny um but so they they, they, humanity actually yeah that would be a great cards against humanity (laughs) um so that was kind of their thing was the nearsightedness that was their bond um and now that she's blind they don't really have that connection so he spends some time trying to uh you know teach her what things are by putting things in her hands like the there's the scene with the cup um he hands her a cup and she she tells him what it is and um but you realize pretty quickly that he's he's completely lost interest in her. Yeah. Um, so they end up escaping the the cult, and they end up at this uh, restaurant. And he grabs a knife and says, "Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna make myself blind too." Basically, is what he says. Um, so that they kind of have this this shared thing. Um, and so he he goes to the bathroom and you see him kind of messing with the knife and putting it towards his eye trying to blind himself and then it it cuts to to rachel vice in the in the restaurant uh sitting there and then it cuts to black um so that's it we don't get an explicit answer that he decided to blind himself to be together or if he chickened out and just went out into the diner and said, yeah, I blinded myself. Cause how is she going to know she's blind? Um, so what, what do you, what is your assumption, Zach? Do you think he did it? Uh, he bailed. You think he bailed? Yep. Yeah, I, I can totally, I totally understand that. There's a lot of hesitance, um, in the scene. Um, rightfully so. I mean, even if you do go through with it, blinding yourself is uh, no fun task. Well, plus he had so a couple of reasons why I think he bailed. Um, and I actually went back and watched the ending like four times because I wanted to see it in that last scene. Because you know how movies like this like to get people to focus on the subject and not in the focus on the foreground, not the background. Yeah. Um, I was watching to see if maybe somewhere um, the director had Colin's character like disappear in that open scene of like all the movement back there in construction. And I literally sat in like four inches from my TV and watched. <laughs> didn't see anything. I was like, okay, cool. He didn't make him sneak out the back somewhere. But the reason why I think he bailed um, are a couple of things. One, when you look at the society as a whole, couples are based on their similarities, no matter how big or how small, even from random fake nosebleeds or 
you know, nearsightedness. I think in the end when it's when he said, Oh, you know, like I want to like remember parts of you, so show me these things before like I go and blind myself. I think that was his way of actually saying goodbye. And I don't think he intended to really leave her, but I do think that the way their society was, I mean, he was probably like what would you put him like mid forties in this movie as far as like his character's age. Yeah, I think it's assumed he's he's older. So forty years working and living in this environment and the indoctrination that comes with that, he could probably reason, you know, I got her dressed up clean and safe away from the woods where I know she can be taken advantage of or possibly killed because I killed the leader of the loners. Oh by the way, he does that. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um and, you know, he had got her in the city where she's safe and someone can take care of her and he can kind of just continue on with what he's doing. Another thing that I can use to reinforce that is that he did that twice earlier on in the movie when he tried to connect with other people and his character changed entirely to when he um, um, was with the heartless woman mm. and he was able to switch back and go, OK, cool. Well, I'm out. And realistically, what they had was just the short-sightedness. So if he just found someone else who was short-sighted or, you know, had brown hair or loved staring blankly at a TV screen and making a lot of money from it, he could have definitely, <laughs> like, <laughs> cleaned up, you know? And yeah. I think the third point I have is why I think it's the fact that he left. I think she's retelling the story to somebody else after he left her at the booth because the narration i believe stops right around the time she's blinded so i think that's when the story catches up and it's no longer because it, it cuts it cuts from his story and becomes their story and i think it, towards the end it becomes her story of how like she got to where she is now yeah that's that's an interesting interesting theory because yeah throughout the movie i don't think we mentioned this throughout the movie um she kind of narrates things and it's kind of assumed to be her journal um which is how leah sadu's character finds out about their relationship is through her journal yep um so yeah i I definitely think i definitely think that this is more of her story that than people assume um given that she is the narrator um, and given that she kind of gets the last scene, um, it's about her. Um, so the big theory online, and I'm curious your thoughts on this. Um, so after the credits roll, if you stick around for the credits, um, there it's a black screen and there's just a sound of the ocean waves. Um, so the biggest assumption is that you're right. He did leave her. Um, but he ended up turning himself into the lobster and going to the ocean, um, which I kind of oh, like that theory. I didn't hear that. Um, how long into the credits do you have to wait? Because like Netflix, I just let it do the regular like 25-second timeout thing. Uh, I think it's after, so I think you have to oh, sit all the way through. Gotcha. That Okay, that was my bad. <laughs> yeah. um, and there was another interesting thing I read about. I don't know if it's true. It was just in, in uh, Reddit theory thing. Um, so I, I haven't confirmed whether this is true or not. But to make lobsters mate, they blind the lobster. Um, so apparently lobsters won't mate unless they're, they're, you know, can't see. I think they typically only do it at night. So I think a lot of uh, fishermen or... 
or farmers for lobsters, they, they blind the lobster uh, so that they'll mate, which is kind of a, an interesting, maybe that's why they decided to go with that, that animal for this movie. Um, I just thought that was kind of interesting. That's one hell of a set of beer goggles there. <laughs> yeah, for real. <laughs> Taking it to the extreme. Could you imagine, you know, uh, <laughs> I'm just going to blind myself so I can get laid. Song? I have one more drink. I'm going to end up mm, you. That's what I'm going to do, shouty. Like, if, like, so if you're a lobster, if we swim in this tank, I'm going to end up blinding you. That's what I'm going to do. Like, that's fuck, dude. Yeah, that's super. It's crazy. I don't know if that's true or not. I'm not uh, an expert on lobsters. I wonder um, how many, like, covers I can do in this podcast to be featured on Rock and Roller Podcast next top best cover songs. Oh my gosh, yeah. If you've not listened <laughs> to that podcast, check them out. We will link them in the uh, the description of the podcast. They're great. Um, and I have to say that that intro still, it's it, it's amazing. That was the perfect <laughs> intro for this podcast. Um, and like you, you took the lyrics from the song and then took the melody from the movie and they just blended so perfectly. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, is there any, any other thoughts you have on, on this movie, Zach? Honestly, it's definitely one I recommend. Like I don't, again, I, I you know, I have to, I have to rescind. I rescind myself. I rescind myself before the council. I will put back on that point three. It took off and give it a five out of five because wow. it's a great experience. I'm glad you really enjoyed it, Zach. That's, I did. That's... It's just one of those, it's just a crazy ass movie. Like I didn't know what to expect the entire damn time. And I like stuff like that. Yeah, totally. I, I, I think if that's like the parts you like about it, then you are going to love this. Uh, so this, if you're watching the video, we're sh- I'm showing the trailer for The Killing of the Sacred Deer, um, which was his follow-up to The Lobster. Um, it's Colin Farrell. Um, and it is, it is just, if not more so, crazy. Um, Nicole Kidman is wonderful in this movie. Um, and it introduced me to probably one of my favorite young actors right now. Uh, I think his name's Barry, Barry Kugan. He's Irish, I think. He looks super familiar. What else has he been in since this movie came out? Uh, recently, um, which is one of my favorite TV shows, he was in Chernobyl for two episodes, if you've seen okay. that, the uh, HBO series. I um, haven't, but he looks familiar from some... Oh, look, he looks familiar from something else. Um, he was also in Dunkirk, um, which was a great movie. Um, that may have been it. Okay, yeah, maybe. Um, and he's going to be in the, the Eternals movie. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I think you'd really like that. Um, this was his most recent film, The Favorite, which also had uh, Rachel Weisz and Olivia Coleman. He's he's one of those directors that has, like, these actors that he loves, and he keeps putting them in his movies, kind of like um, Tarantino. Those are both great actresses. Like, Oh, yeah, Olivia Coleman is unbelievable um if you haven't seen uh fleabag on amazon prime she is amazing in it um yeah so this movie um the favorite has emma stone in it and it's a it's a period piece it's it's a black comedy um just like most of his films it's it's 18th (laughs) century great britain um and it kind of has has some truth to it so um but it's it's a kind of a romantic film um very good though 
um, and I highly recommend it. So, yeah, that was uh, that was Media Club. I'm really glad you liked it, Zach. I hope everyone that may have watched it with us enjoyed it. Um, let us know what you think. Um, hit us up on Instagram at this pod is for nerds. Twitter at this pod is the number four nerds or at this pod is for nerds at gmail.com. Um, Zach, what are we, what are we watching in two weeks or doing? Uh, I don't, so I don't know. This, We're not necessarily this, watching something. This was an interesting, this was an interesting one. I actually, hmm. So media club as per its inception, we have to find ways. See, I, you have a style, Calvin, with the things that you <laughs> recommend. And so I, I was kind of racking my brain on this one, trying to figure out what can I send to Calvin? What can I get him to watch? What can I do to my friend Calvin here? I'm open to anything. Oh, don't I know it, buddy? <laughs> I, I don't know that for a fact, actually. Yes, I do. I know for a fact. Um, <laughs> so, okay, this one was a little tricky because I was trying to figure out like the things we've had recently and maybe what I could do to either continue the theme or kind of throw it up or do I want to go a little bit with like, Hey, we want some stark contrast. Now we want to go back. Maybe it's something we've already seen. Maybe it's something we love, something we watched. I'm going to take it back because we, I love watching things that are stylistic and we have a lot of style like with burning and with, um, with this movie, obviously the lobster and parasite, I'm going to take it back. I'm going to give you a throwback this time around. And I want you to compare themes as far, not so much as far as the storytelling. Well, no, sorry. Compare themes, storytelling, yes. But how is the story told? Because I feel like this particular movie, even though it has a lot more blood in it, even though it's a little more violent, the storytelling has a lot of interesting setups and use of color and sound and soundtrack that I think is always worth revisiting. We... Calvin on Media Club. We, and it's funny you said his name earlier <clears throat> in the podcast as well. So you set me up for this because I'm. Oh, awesome. Here. Yeah. We will be watching Kill Bill Volume 1. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, I'm so excited. I, I have not watched it in probably it's been 10 like years. Ten, yeah, so it's about 10 years for me as well. <laughs> I think it's been like 10 years. Yeah. Because it was like right before I met my my now wife, I think was probably the last time I watched it. Um, I don't even think I've watched it with my wife. I don't think I have either, and it's one of her favorite movies. So I'm I'm gonna have to get her to watch it with me, and and I'll I'll, I'll grab her thoughts too. Yeah, because uh, Tarantino's obviously you know one of the best directors, and and Kill Bill is is arguably one of his best works. So I love the use. Oh, ha ha, psych. I can't tell you what I love for the next media club. So we'll catch you on that next time on this podcast is for nerds. Mm-hmm.